right, thank you. Good morning, TBA. How are y'all today? Good, awesome. Well, welcome to TBA, where we are living sent as the hands and feet of Jesus. My name is Dave Shivan. I'm one of the pastors here on our lead pastor team. Thanks for coming out to worship with us this morning. We are in the full swing of Christmas. The Christmas season is here, and it's where we celebrate the, one of the greatest moments in the history of mankind, um, that being the birth of Jesus Christ. But it isn't just about the birth of Christ where he's this little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes that's laid in a manger. That's not what's momentous about this season that we celebrate. What's momentous about it is it's the beginning of salvation to the world. That moment in history when God invades our world and he becomes a man through the person of Jesus Christ and he begins his journey to the cross to die for your sins and my sin. It's the most significant moment in the history of mankind. And so today we're going to be starting our Christmas series, and it's called He Will Be Called. And it comes from a prophetic verse in Isaiah that's looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ. Not just looking at his birth, but looking forward to who he is and what he will become to us. So let me read this verse to you. You've probably heard it many times, especially around the Christmas season, but it's in Isaiah Chapter 9, it's verse 6. And it says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to take a look at each one of these names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and we're going to see how they relate to us. And today we're going to be looking at Everlasting Father. See, Jesus is our Everlasting Father. But just saying the word Father, sometimes that begins to bring up images and memories and begins to stir emotions in us. And maybe for you, the images and the memories that you have of your earthly father were good. Maybe dad was great. And when you think about them, you've got great memories. And I can tell you this, being a father, and I probably can say this for all dads, it's not easy being a dad. It really isn't. We're far from perfect, and we make our share of mistakes. So if you grow up and you look back on the memories that you have of your father, and if those memories are good memories, I want to say this to you. Be very thankful. Be very, very thankful for that. Because the truth is, not all of us have those kind of memories about our father. See, for some of us, the memories of our father are painful ones. And so what happens is all of a sudden, when we start to think about our father, whether it's good memories or bad memories, when we start to think about them, what we tend to do is we tend to project this image of our earthly father onto our everlasting father. And when we do that, when we when we look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through the lens of our earthly Father, we get this very distorted view of who He is and what His intentions are for our lives. And often that distorted view of Jesus keeps us from fully trusting in Him. It keeps us from allowing Him into every area of our lives because we're fearful. We're fearful of Him failing us the way that our earthly Father has failed us. And so we get this distorted view 
uh, who Jesus is. And instead of Him being our everlasting Father, sometimes He ends up being the Father who was seldom there. See, my parents divorced when I was very young. And although I wasn't old enough to understand the full implications of divorce in a family, those implications have had a major impact on my life. See, growing up, I would split, split time between staying with my mom and then going to my dad in the summer times and on holidays. But in those times that I would go visit my father, I never really got to spend time with him. Because see, I always got pushed off. I got pushed off to aunts and to uncles and to grandmothers and grandfathers. I never spent a lot of time with my dad. It was like he really didn't want me around or he was just too busy to spend time with me. I can't even begin to tell you how hard it was for me growing up without a father. And see, even though I received little to no communication from my dad, I longed, I longed for that summertime that I could go be with him, even if it was for just a short amount of time. But then when I was about 12 years old, it just seemed like everything stopped. See, I was old enough to want to be pursued by my dad instead of me pursuing him. And that just didn't happen. It was obvious that I was just an obligation that he thought he had to meet. I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but the truth is, is my dad, he just right out abandoned me. He didn't want anything to do with me at all. Later in life, I found out that he even claimed that I wasn't his son. Twelve years old. That crucial time in a boy's life where he needs somebody to show him how to be a man. And my father rejects me. All I ever wanted was for my dad to love and accept me. And even though deep inside of me I knew I would never get that, I always held out hope. Every birthday I had, I said to myself, this will be the one time that he calls me. Every Christmas I thought, this will be the one time that he sends a card or a gift or anything just to tell me that he was thinking about me. My high school graduation, I sent an invitation to him trying to reach out. I hadn't talked to him for years. Trying to reach out. I mean, surely he was going to respond. This is a big moment in a kid's life when they graduate high school. So I sent an invitation to him. No call, no card, no appearance, nothing. I never heard anything from my dad until I was 26 years old. And I got a call from my mom telling me, that he had been crushed by a tractor that overturned on him while he was trying to move some trees that had fallen in a storm. I can remember that call even to this day. I remember that I did not feel one ounce of grief in my father's passing. You see, grief comes when a loved one is torn from you. And my dad didn't love me. And I didn't love him because love requires a relationship, and we didn't have a relationship. But I do remember feeling regret. And I know it sounds stupid looking back on it, but I keep saying to myself, even now, 
What could I have done to get my father to love me? What could I have done to get him to care? To notice, just to acknowledge that I existed and I was his son. I just wanted to know why he didn't want me. And what I did to be rejected by him. Maybe you weren't abandoned by your father. Maybe he was in your life, but you could never please him. And maybe you had a father who was never satisfied. The words, I love you and I'm proud of you, maybe they were elusive to you as a child. Like a carrot on a stick, you just couldn't get them. And your dad never said that to you. And somehow you began to do everything you could to be perfect for dad. Because you so coveted his acceptance and affirmation, but it was just never there. It's a tough way to grow up. Never feeling like you're good enough for the love of your father. Always having to perform to gain acceptance. The hardest part about it is that no matter how much you accomplish, no matter how much, how much you think you're doing, no matter how well you perform, no matter how perfect you are, it's never enough. It never satisfies and it never meets the mark. Or maybe you had a father who was always angry. Maybe when your dad was home, it was like walking on eggshells around your house, just waiting for him to fly off the handle and start yelling, full of anger. Maybe your dad said words to you like, you're never going to amount to anything. You're a loser. We never meant to have you. You're a mistake. And it just rips you up inside. See, my mom had remarried not long after the divorce, and I grew up with a stepdad. But he made it really, really clear on a number of occasions that my brother and I were not his kids, and he didn't really want anything to do with us. Plus, he was a very angry man that blew his temper for the smallest of infractions. And I grew up very, very afraid of him. And so I grew up with this very distorted view of God. As a kid, I went to church three times a week without fail. Sunday night, Wednesday night, um, and Sunday night. Every time the church door was open, we went to church. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to church that much. I'm more involved in church now than I've ever been in my entire life. It's just as a kid, the things that I was taught did not include a lot of grace. Actually, there was no grace at all. See, I grew up in this very legalistic system of religion. I was taught a very long list of rules and regulations, things that were right and wrong. Everything was black and white. Don't wear these types of clothes. Don't listen to this type of music. Don't eat in the church building. Don't dance. Don't drink. Don't swim with girls. Don't have that hairstyle. Don't miss reading your Bible every day. Don't miss attending Tuesday visitation. And definitely don't ever, ever, ever miss a church service. Because if you do any of these don'ts and you don't ask for forgiveness, then you're going to go to hell. See, I was taught at a very early age to fear God. I can remember so many nights as a kid lying in my bed, pleading, pleading to God to forgive me for sins that I didn't even know that I had committed. Because I was taught 
that even if I unknowingly commit a sin that I didn't ask for forgiveness, then I was going to go to hell. The slightest infraction would cause my eternal destruction. Where was the grace in that? See, that's heavy for an eight-year-old boy to handle. See, for me, God was the judge in the courtroom drama that was just waiting to slam that gavel down and pronounce me guilty. Oh, I was told my Heavenly Father loved me. I was told that, but because of the examples I had of my earthly fathers, I just couldn't relate. I couldn't relate to that. How could God love me if He would send me to hell for missing a day of Bible reading? And see, here's where it gets really dangerous. Because it started me on a path of destruction. I said, forget it. I said, forget it. If my earthly father doesn't love me and rejects me, well then obviously my heavenly father will do the same. Besides, who can live to the standard that was set for his love anyways? So I just walked out. I walked away. I walked away from God. I walked away from church. I walked away from all of it. The day I turned 18, and I mean the day, the day I turned 18, I walked out of my house and I walked away from all of it. And from 18 until I was 30, I lived a very dark, dark life. And I don't have time to go into all of it, but you just need to know that I was spiraling deeper and deeper into darkness and I was far, far away as far away as you possibly could get from God and I was hopelessly lost now maybe your journey hasn't been as extreme as mine maybe it has been I don't know we've all got our own story we do but for just one second for just one second I want you to lay down that past that you have and let's give Jesus our everlasting Father the opportunity to reveal who he truly is. Just for a second, let's not look at him through the lens of our earthly father. And let's do this. Let's look at him right here. Let's look at him through the lens of Scripture. Because when we do, I think we're going to see an everlasting father that maybe you've never seen before. Because when we look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lens of Scripture, we're going to see that he is an everlasting father who is compassionate. He's so compassionate. Look at what it says in Psalms 103, verse 8. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Do you hear that? He's compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. One of the most liberating moments in my life that I've ever experienced and that I've seen others experience as well, is the moment that when I came to the realization that there is nothing in this life, there is zero, nothing that I could do to ever earn God's love. Because I already have it. There's nothing I can do to earn His love. Because I already have it. See, many of you are sitting here today and you've had to perform for your dad or for other people and you've performed because you didn't believe that people accepted you. And you've taken that same approach into your relationship with Christ. And you've been working, you've been working hard. You go to church, you read your Bible, 
You pray not because you're overwhelmed with the grace of God, but because you feel like you have to do those things. Because deep down inside of you, you feel like that God doesn't really accept you and love you for who you are. But I'm here to tell you, those are just lies. They're lies. It isn't how Jesus is. He's compassionate. And here's what he says to us in Matthew, to those of us that are trying to perform and earn God's love. He says this, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest. Just rest. Stop trying to do everything right. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to earn God's love. You already have it. Yes, live a life that glorifies God, but stop trying to do everything right because you think God doesn't accept you. See, through your relationship with Christ, He accepts you. And there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing I can do to change that. God cannot love you any more or any less than he already does. So rest. Just rest. Because Jesus is our everlasting Father who is compassionate. But he's also our everlasting Father who cares. He cares. Look at what God is saying to you and me in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know, it took me a long time to understand this truth. To know that God always, and I mean always, has my best interests in his hands. I told you I grew up feeling like God was this angry God waiting to punish me for all the wrong things I did in my life. But see, those are just lies. They're lies of the enemy. Because God is not angry with me. He's never been angry with me. He has this deep, unending love for me. He never abuses me. He never gives me more than I can handle. He always has a plan for my life. Oh, I might fight against his plan because it isn't what I want. It's not the plan I want. But what I've come to find is it's always what I need. And it really wasn't until I became a father that I've understood what God was really doing in me all these years, taking all of my mistakes and the mistakes of others and using it to shape me into the man I am today. See, God has taught me so much about a father's love and a father's discipline through the relationship that I have with my own son. And I now understand, I understand why he allowed me to go my own way and to suffer the consequences of my wrong decisions. It was because he knew that it was the only way, it was the only way that I would learn and be willing to submit for his plans in my life. Plans to prosper. Plans for hope and a future. That's exactly what he's done. See, Jesus is our everlasting father who is compassionate and who cares and probably the thing that has meant the most to me is he's our everlasting Father who is there. He is always, always there. 
Hebrews 13.5 says this, Never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See, Jesus is always there. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've walked away. It doesn't matter if you've messed your marriage up. It doesn't matter if you felt like that everything in you, you've done in your life has been wrong. It doesn't matter. Jesus is always there. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never. The last time I looked, the definition of never was never. Now you might say, Dave, but you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what a mess I've made of my life. There's no way that God would want me. There's no way that God would take me back. I'd say this to you. That's just not true. It's not true. And I know it for a fact because I lived that way. I lived a life where I thought Jesus could never love me because of what I've done, because of all the horrific things that I've done, because of what I became. Jesus would never love me. But he did. And he does. And he loves you too. Jesus never left my side. Even though I rejected him, even though I walked away from him, he was always there. See, the truth is I should be dead. I really should be. I can look back on my life at the risks that I was taking and I can see so many times that I should have died. But Jesus never let me. And he lifted me from that darkness that consumed my heart and he restored me as his beloved son. See, God fills in all the gaps. He fills in all the gaps that our earthly father could never, ever fill. He fills in all of the gaps. God's compassion never runs out. It never grows old. It's unceasing and it's continually renewed. And no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, God is there with you always. Let go of whatever distorted view of God you're holding on to. Stop trying to be perfect and let Him work through your struggles. Let Him work through your weaknesses. Stop trying to please Him. He is already pleased with you. Besides, God already knows where we are. He already knows what we struggle with. He already knows our faults and our failings, but yet he loves us anyways, just like we are. And he's ready and he's willing to hold us up and to fight on our side. But we have to allow him that. We have to humble ourselves and we have to drop the idea that we can do any of it by ourselves. And we have to trust that he has plans for us to prosper, plans for good, plans for a future. We have to trust that our God is a God of compassion and not of anger. We have to allow God complete control in every area of our lives. Only then can we be conquerors, and only then will we experience true joy in life. Maybe you've never taken that first step towards trusting God 
and you don't have a relationship with Him. And so it might be hard for you to even understand what an eternal Father is or what an eternal Father looks like. It's hard to trust God. If that's where you're at today, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay if you haven't taken those steps because God has already taken that first step for you. You see, ever since sin came into the world through Adam's actions, God has been making, been making a way to restore all that's been broken. And he did that by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to make amends for us. Jesus suffered and died a cruel, cruel death on the cross to atone for our sin. An innocent man took our place and he took our punishment so that we could stand righteous before God. See, God has proven himself to be more than trustworthy. I mean, if God, who loved Jesus, his one and only son, if he loved him so much and he gave him up to die for you and me, what does that say about how much God loves us? If you don't have that saving relationship with Christ, that relationship that trusts him, not only with your life, but with your life after this life, where you're going to spend eternity, you're gonna, you can have that relationship today. But see, it has to begin at the foot of the cross. We have to submit to God, and we have to accept that free gift of salvation that's offered to us through His grace. Allowing Jesus to be the Lord of our whole life, and following Him with all that we are from this day forward. Maybe you've taken those steps, but for whatever reason, you've walked away from the plans and the path that God has for your life. I want you to know this. He is still pursuing you. He's still pursuing you. He is still by your side. And just like the father in the story of the prodigal son, he is running to you with his arms open wide. Running to you. What are you waiting for? Run to him. Run to him. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray. There's no pressure. I just want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you just need to kneel down here at the front of the stage. And you need to have a conversation between you and your everlasting Father. A conversation that is long, long overdue. Maybe you want to come and accept Christ for the first time. I don't know what your need is, but I want you to know this. I will be available up here at the front. The other pastors will as well if you want somebody to pray with you. If you're not comfortable with that, you can come up by yourself and pray. Better yet, go to somebody you trust and ask them to come forward with you and to pray with you here at the stage. Whatever you need, respond as the band plays. And I want you to know this. Regardless of what the relationship was like with your earthly father, whether it was good or whether it was bad, you need to know this. Jesus is our compassionate, caring, eternal Father who will never, ever leave us and who loves us unconditionally. And he's ready and willing to receive us today. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are the everlasting Father. I want to thank you that your love is unending God, that your grace is abounding, that your mercies are new every single day. 
God, I know I'm not worthy of that love. God, I've done so many horrible things in my life. I don't deserve your love. I just don't. But you love me anyways, in spite of what I've done, in spite of the mistakes I've made. God, you have poured your love out on me through your son, Jesus Christ. God, open our hearts to the things you want to do today. God, have your spirit be heavy in this place. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.